Let's celebrate this month. Let's celebrate this week. Welcome to the Big Weekly Blend Podcast, the companion to our Big Weekly Blend magazine. Welcome, everybody. Uh, We are super excited about today's show. We're going to be looking at the week of October. Well, of course, all October holidays, but we look um, from October 8th for the the week, looking at holidays, sometimes birth anniversaries, um, all that good stuff. And we do create a music playlist, and we also do create a list of the holidays and articles, podcasts, and recipes and connect with them so all of that is in the show notes and you can link to the one main page on our site from there but most importantly we've got some awesome guests joining us Uh, nancy and i are very excited uh they're all part of our shows on a regular basis and uh, so first i'm going to start with margo carrera margo is an incredible nature photographer and i encourage you to go to her etsy store especially since the holidays are coming don't wait till the end uh you can go to uh, margocarrera.etsy.com and see her beautiful scarves, her different uh, prints, and all kinds of great gift ideas, all connecting with nature. In fact, speaking of nature, she co-hosts our fourth Friday Big Blend Radio Nature Connection show every month. So welcome back, Margo. How are you? I'm great. I'm enjoying the fall season. It, it did get a little hot here, but I'm Ooh. doing wonderful. How about you? Doing good, doing good. I'm so excited to have you on the show with Shelly and Dr. Diane Dobry. So uh, Shelly's our next guest. And hey, you know what? October is National Animal Month. I oh. think that's cool. Don't you think, Margo? I know you love animals. Oh, I do. Know. I love yep. to photograph them. I know <laughs> you do. And flowers. And um, <laughs> I know our next guest, Shelly Wizen. Uh, Shelly Wizen is a transformational life coach coach and she's also the author of a number of books including one that you're going to want for the holiday season it's called what do you bring to the table a savory sensory and inspirational guide to living a yummy delicious life and she loves everyone to go around saying yummy delicious Uh, you can go to her website shellywizen.com so welcome back shelly how are you Thank you, Lisa. I'm great. I'm feeling a bit yummy delicious. <laughs> ah, she did it. She did it. And listen, everyone, Shelly is on our show every first Sunday with her soul diving with Shelly show uh, talking about, well, she delves into all those things in life that sometimes we don't want to look at, but it's about personal empowerment, self-improvement and living a yummy, delicious life. I did it. <laughs> you did. You did. Now, how do you feel? Don't you feel better? You can't help but smile, you, you know. You cannot. You cannot. Yeah. So yeah. I say whenever you get a little e, eh, start saying yummy delicious and and there you'll you feel go. good. Um yeah. I I do want to say Shelly, you and Margot connect on one thing. You both love trees. And mm. um I'm always photographing trees of life. In fact, I owe you some. Uh Shelly, <laughs> you have trees of life everywhere we go across the country. I'm always seeing Shelly because I, I keep seeing it. the tree of life. So um Love you it. both connect on that. So I, I love that. Um, another thing is we're going to talk about, you know, it's Halloween. And that means we're getting into that spiritual realm. We're getting into Halloween around the corner, the Day of the Dead. And our next guest knows a little bit about that. Uh, Dr. Diane Dobry, she's a food, wine, travel writer, a memoirist, a podcaster. You can go to her websites, her blogs, gettinghungary.com, because she has an affinity for Hungary, whether it's food wine. She's in fact, uh, she even started a company importing wines from Hungary. Um, but she writes about Hungary. She blogs about it. 
And then she also blogs about the afterlife and she blogs uh, and does podcasts also about um, astrology. So you can go to her blog, HungarianAquarian.com. So welcome back to the show, Dr. Diane. How are you? Thanks. Um, I'm well, thanks. And speaking of um, the animals, Hungary just created a coin with a Transylvanian hound as the uh, on the on the side of the coin. So it's um, worth I'm trying to remember what it's worth. It's 3000 forints. It depends. The forint is not doing very well right now. So uh, but it's um, it's the first time a dog is on the their coins. I love that. I think we should have more animals on coins, you know, because sometimes it's people's heads and you don't really want to look at them. <laughs> you know what I mean? If it's the wrong person, you know, if it's good people, then it's okay. But yeah. if it's not, it kind of like our sculptures, not our sculptures, those statues that honor the wrong people. Yeah. Um, and they, they were art down. at one point, but yeah, we want to have, I think animals. Margo, what do you think about that? Animals on coins? I think coins. animals are amazing and they have a lot to teach us. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, uh, took in a dog, um, from Mexico and this dog is the smartest thing and it knows how to get around people who aren't feeling well and cheer them up and give them love and, um, just a teacher of unconditional love, uh, animals, yeah, are amazing. So yes, I, love to see birds i'd love to see dogs um elephants yeah. i love elephants <laughs> but yeah yeah why not i i, I love a, this i had Go a ahead. podcast guest on my hungarian aquarian.com i have a a podcast called dying to know on that um i just posted on my website i haven't put it out in the podcast world yet but um the woman uh, talked about her dog. It was called Soul Dog is mm-hmm. her book. And apparently she was dealing with animal communicators because her dog was so, you know, had a mind of its own and she couldn't mm-hmm. get it trained. And eventually the dog passed away and she was connecting with the dog via mediums. And she says, I'm the last person that would have believed in any of that stuff, but it it all made sense after I talked to the the um, spiritual side of this, you know, this relationship with the dog. Oh, we've done a number of shows. We used to do a, um, psychic shows um, and, and, and really um, psychics that are very well known and um, honest, you know what I mean? Cause you have to be careful with that stuff because <laughs> you know, sometimes you get, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and, um, but it was incredible. We had an animal psychic on too. And, she, you know, they were, what was so great about, um, uh, Jamie, when we had Laura Lassiter, Jamie Clark, and, um, what was great is that they were training the audience to be more open to, you know, through meditation and things like that too. Cause we all have these abilities, right? It's about, um, our mindset, our soul and, you know, how to do it in a safe way as well. Like you don't want to open up to the world and say, hello, poltergeist, you know, mm-hmm. um, but they, it really taught a lot. And we had this animal lady on and when we were doing it, like you could actually feel and see the animals half the time you could communicate. Like when she was doing it, you could, it was, mm-hmm. it was, but it is really about slowing down and 
you can communicate with Adam. I don't know if that's just Nancy and I, because we do that a lot. Um, we kind of, it's a natural thing. I mean, in our ancestry, which is one side is Hungarian. Um, the other side, um, is from the Isle of Man. And one of our ancestors were burned at stake for being a witch for talking to animals because they're talking to animals. They thought she was nuts. Yeah. But we actually used um, spiritualists to actually also help research our family history because it was going beyond the 1400s. And um, a lot of this stuff came up and we found out we had a warlock. But, you know, how true all of that? Well, actually, the one that was burned at the stake, um, well, apparently three of them were, was actually in the Museum of the Occult in San Francisco um, back in the day. And Nancy was in San Francisco, you know, in her, her you know, early 20s and walked in and there was our family on display. And that oh, exhibit, gosh. that a museum is gone now. And the National Geographic did a article about us. So it's mm-hmm. kind of trippy. <laughs> oh, you should post that. I'd love to see that article. I, yeah. We need to find it. You know, my grandmother had one and none of us know where it is, but it was, it is, it's the Holroyd family. In fact, Glenn Burroughs, I know some of you have been on shows with Glenn. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he's like, can you give me your family? Can we get this DNA thing going? Go do the me and 23 or whatever it is. Go get your DNA done so we can really do the research properly and, and really get the facts and, and do that digging in. But National Geographic, I think it was in the seventies or eighties did a, a feature on our family. So anyway, that's a little weird, but there you go. Animal communication is good and it's good for patients. Margo, um, I know uh, Jorge, your husband is in the world of medicine and a doctor. Um, have, have you ever come across that where animals help patients feel better? Um, I had something in common with Shelly where uh, when my husband had his practice uh, in Encinitas, I did um, transformational coaching and I had this dog, uh, it was a boxer and I would bring uh, clients in um, and the dog would sit on the stairs and not bother anybody. But when somebody was in distress or uh, sad or something, the dog would immediately when the session was over, come down and, and just love on it. And, um, we couldn't obviously bring the dog into his office. Um, these, this is my office off of my home, but yeah, the animals know and they know, they know just what the person needs. And if the person needs distance, it keeps its distance. If, uh, if it needs cheering up, my dog will come and get his toy and play with my mother-in-law <laughs> and she's never had a dog. <laughs> And she was grumpy and the dog would just start to play and make her laugh and laugh and laugh. And it was so fun to watch. So, yeah, it's amazing. And communication, I think we all have the gift. I didn't know I had it until I started seeing animals react to me. Um, I would just send them love. And and I started seeing like uh, whales come closer when I was taking photographs of whales in the ocean and I would see, and I even told my girlfriend about it and she's one of those that, Oh yeah. Right. And so we were sitting on the beach one day and I said, do you want to see it? And I said, she said, yeah. I said, well, there's dolphins out there. Let me call them in. And so all of a sudden on the waves, all the dolphins were coming towards the, the beach 
And then I, I said, well, I got to stop it now because I think they're coming in too close. Oh my <laughs> and gosh. She, she became a believer and later hired me. Her husband hired me to uh, communicate with his horse who was having trouble. And it was, and I didn't know I had the gift until, you know, I just saw it happening. I started communicating naturally with them. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly it. That's, that's what I don't understand, like all the things, but there's like a natural, I don't know. And it, it, you, you even look through their eyes, man. They just, yes. there's this communication, you know, and Shelly, what do you think? You're a transformational life coach, you know, are we transforming? you know, to be more connected with animals? Do we need to be more connected, not just with animals, but trees and living beings to be, a, be you know, better beings as humans, as we evolve? I, by the way, I was talking about you on a podcast yesterday, talking about how you were saying that we were co-evolving. We need to evolve. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, what do you think about for me, what all of that means is to expand our sensory awareness and when we expand our sensory sensory awareness, then we can sense somebody a spirit. Although it doesn't always have to tell you. I mean, this is the antithesis of yummy delicious for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a friend of mine was back east and she asked me if I knew anybody who would take care of her dog. I'm not I don't have any animals myself. My daughter has a couple of dogs and I just love them, love them. They love me and they, you know, all that jazz. She said, Oh, this dog is so sweet. All she needs is loving up. You just tell the person she's a, a movie star dog and she's in all these movies and she's just so sweet and blah, blah, blah. I thought, well, I don't really know anybody. And, and I said, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it for what five days or whatever. This dog came over and the dog constantly growled and barked. It was a small yappy dog. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm going, Oh my God. I, I just, it was Rosh Hashanah. I was cooking. I was getting shopping. I mean, it was a lot of my plate, but I had to send the dog back to the person who was taking care of the dog right before me because I couldn't handle it. It was too much for me. So I'm not sure. And then I'll go to, um, uh, you know, my sister used to live up in Reading and I would stand at the fence ne- next to her house and this horse would just come up and put his head in, oh. in my hands. And so, mm-hmm. and I can connect with other kinds of animals in different ways, but that one, I don't know. You can, oh, it has a message. Anybody have any kind of insight about that? has a message for you when they're doing that there's a message and sometimes protective over you animals you know they'll bark out of you know warning um but sometimes it's a message and you know when they like human beings start to yell like if they're not feeling they're heard could be that too i don't that's i just feel like the the dog had a message for you shelly you are a death doula is that yeah yeah that's one of the things i do yeah I'm wondering if you had a spirit with you and the dog could sense that. Oh, very oh, yeah. possible. Oh, that's insightful. That's very possible. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. very, very possible. I know we, <laughs> I, our cats, when we lived up in Julian in the mountains in San Diego and Nancy and I said we wouldn't ever have animals when we run a magazine. Well, look at us now, pets sitting across yeah, the right. country. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but listen, pets, uh, bring balance to human beings because yeah. they make you get away from your computer and go yes, and take a walk yes, and yes, um, yeah. have this other sense of caring. 
That's mm-hmm. unconditional. Um, but yeah, um, so anyway, our bass player for our band was like, the cats have to, and I knew these cats really well. They were born under a car in Oceanside. And so I'm like, you can't put them, you can't put Morris named after Jim Morrison and Athena, the goddess of everything, right? You can't put them in, you know, a shelter. Absolutely not. I came down, didn't have anything for cats, put them in my pickup truck and drove them up. No cat carry or anything. They were like a little wild in the car, but took them up to this cabin that we were living in, which was haunted. And truly, I mean it, like you'd go in a room and the bed has been moved. Um, I've had experiences of, like something sitting on me and me not being able to get up. I've had like dishes in the kitchen being turned upside down, not an earthquake, like actually turned upside down. But this was an old um, brothel from the 1800s. And there were two little kids running around and there was cold areas. And um, then, then we found out Nancy went to bed one night and there was a blue mist that went over her face, a little vapor kind of thing. And it turned into a face and, Nancy drew a picture of it for the landlord who had all these cabins because this is where everybody went before they bought a house on the mountain. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be a splitting image of his dad, which turned out to be buried like not even 10 feet away. And um, he was the one who kept moving the bed. And and anyway, it was crazy, but we brought the cats in. The cats knew us really, really well. They were, you know, happy to be with us, but went into the bathroom. Athena went in, hissed at a corner. She went, she could feel where all the spirits were in that cabin and hissed yeah. at them. They can see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 They were like, mm. wow. so I think, I think you've got a good point. Well, this is a good October conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you can kind of sell together. <laughs> hey, I know. I, let's just turn that cauldron. Let's, who's putting what? Okay. Let's do that. Let's make a big cauldron of stew. <laughs> Why don't we? What are we putting in? Let's start with you, Diane. It's October. It's fall season. We're getting towards Halloween. What are we putting in the cauldron? Well, I just made a big pot of mushroom soup. I think that was oh. uh, a nice, warm, you know, stick to the ribs kind of meal and uh, very filling. So that with some cornbread or something like that, I think. Oh, be- okay. I like the mushrooms going in there. You know, I've got a thing about fungus and mushrooms, man. I I'm mm-hmm. all into them. No, I'm not high, but I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. I, I think they're fascinating. <laughs> Shelly, last time you and I talked, I got all into it. What are you yeah. putting in? Because Shelly yeah. is like the, you know, the queen of cooking. Oh, thank you. What do I put in what? What, what are you going to put in the cauldron? Diane put some mushrooms. What are you adding in? Oh, oh my God. Well, when I have a cauldron of soup, even, I add so many different ingredients. So I would just add all kinds of uh, spices, spices mm. to the cauldron, make everything, you know, a little lit up. Ooh. Well, cayenne pepper has to go in there for like the Hungarian, mm. you know, oh, side yeah. of things. Well, paprika. 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 Uh, paprika, that's right. Not cayenne, paprika. That's it. Yeah, that's, paprika. What I've, yeah, yeah. that's what I put on avocado for breakfast. Like oh, avocado. Really? Yeah, paprika and salt. Uh huh. It's really uh-huh. good. And if you're going to do toast or whatever, or just, yeah. you know. Nice. I'm a weird, weird breakfast person. I'll eat salad for breakfast. It's a very odd thing. It's my new thing. Right. Well, I think it's have healthy. you, have you, Lisa, have you ever tried moringa, um, moringa leaves? No. Sounds moringa, good to me. When I, I was working at a college in upstate New York, it was an ag and tech school. And I, and 
we would have these faculty presentations and this one faculty member had studied the Moringa tree in Africa. Mm. And he said it was, it was almost like a, a tree that had all kinds of nutrients that people could live on the Moringa tree, whatever the Moringa tree grew. And I, I'm living in Florida and I go to the winter park um, farmer's market and I see all this, this big batch, it looked almost like parsley or, or some one of those kinds oh, of I herbs, see it. and it was moringa leaves. Mm-hmm. So I started buying the fresh, but then, then they also had like a can of dried moringa leaves, and I put that in my soups because I, it's got protein in it, it's got all kinds of nutrients in it. So um, it is, I've seen other people starting <clears throat> that. Hmm, that's cool. Let's put some moringa in the soup. Sounds good. Yeah. Marco, what are you putting in the cauldron? <laughs> well, I, I've been thinking since I met Dr. Diane about Hungary. <laughs> uh, and uh, I have an ancestry, in, uh, Hungarian ancestry. Hmm. And they like to put bay leaf in their, their soups. Hmm. And yeah. that's a very fall uh, taste. A lot of stews have that in. We could make we could make Hungarian goulash, huh? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I'm getting hungry. They also, now. Put, they also put little hot peppers. When I make um I make this uh, very hearty uh chicken stock twice a month to use as a base. So they always I always put in one serrano pepper, uncut, just throw Ooh. the pepper in there to give it some tang. And I put the moringa leaves in and like ten other vegetables. Where do you find moringa leaves? At the farmers market in um, Winter Park, Florida. But um, they, I'm sure you can get some. It's becoming yeah, I, well known. You can get I them from Googled Amazon. Yeah, yeah, I just googled it. Um, yeah. Moringa. It's M O R I N G A, and I think that's a really good band name. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, moringa. moringa. Yeah, I know. I've, I've, it's got a musical vibe to it. I like it. It feels. It's a good. That's a good word. Um, you know, we were talking about animals. One thing I wanted to touch on is that um, sept- uh, September, excuse me, I forgot what month we're in, October 8th, um, Sunday, October 8th is actually um, a celebration of the octopus. And um, I think it's World Octopus Day. And, you know, I know people eat them and all that, but I think they're one of the most fascinating and smartest creatures we have on the planet. I agree. And, um, Margo, we had the interview with Dr. Scheel not too long ago. Uh, Dr. David Scheel. The Mysteries of Octopuses is his book. And, um, I'll link that in that show note page. I was telling everybody, you know, with articles and everything. Um, but also what's interesting about this, this, and you three ladies are going to get this. Nancy and I always trip out is that we look at who was born on specific days, right? Mm -hmm. And you'll find, okay, it's, it's World Octopus Day, but it also is the day, um, uh, October 8th is the birth anniversary of the naturalist and artist William John Swainson. And I, I mean, he did, you know, when you look at all the bird books where people actually do those, um, you know, I want to say, I can't pronounce the whole thing or, or the thought, ah, I can't do it. Um, but it's, you know, all the birds, like all the bird right. art, avian art. And, you know, when you it really sometimes like the Audubon society. Yeah. Yeah. That's what William John Swainson is, um, known for. And, um, He's he's a big, you know, he it's just to me amazing. It's all the same kind of things come together, you know. Um and he's one of them and um 
should be looked up and learned a little bit more about because of the work that he has done um, in the world. And, you know, it was way back when, and you think about in the 1800s and early 1900s when, you know, back then realizing that we need to protect animals at that point. And now here we are going at the top of our lungs, like everybody climate change, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah. So I think it's interesting about him, you know, being part of that. Um, and it's, you know, That's his, again, birth, his birthday is October yeah. 8th. October 8th. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Libra. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's cool. So, um, it's Sigourney Weaver's uh, birthday too. So like we could play aliens, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, you know, and, um, yeah, what was I reading here? Oh, yes. Um, Homeland Security was formed on this day. How about that? Mm -hmm. That's exciting. <laughs> I think that is. But, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, all those long lines at the airport. Yeah. But you ladies, we're talking about food, and um, October 8th is National Salmon Day. Do any of you eat salmon? I, I love salmon. salmon. But I, have to, I have to cook it medium rare. I mean, I love to have seared salmon sushi. I love that. Um, but for me, salmon, when I cook it, it has to be medium rare. Otherwise, it changes the texture. It, it yeah. makes it harder and then it tastes more like a tuna rather than a salmon. So mm -hmm. yeah, medium rare is, is the way for me. It's very tender and soft and yummy delicious. Oh, she did that. Well, what do you think about pierogies? Because it's pierogi day. Pierogi. Oh, it's pierogi it's day. Like carb on carb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Potatoes and pasta. Well, when I was in Hungary, they would have. Um, I would eat in the cafeteria of the school where I taught, and it was they would have pasta with potato, like mashed potatoes mixed in, or and right. I was like, why all the potatoes? But that was that was a big staple of their their diet was uh, potatoes mm. and eggs and. Um, a lot of hmm. uh, cottage cheese kind of things. Hmm. They call Turo, which is a more of a drier far farmer's type cheese. Hmm. But speaking of um, salmon, I one of my favorite sandwiches is from the. There's a bistro around the corner that they make it. It's almost like you know lox, like the mm -hmm. uh, smoked salmon. Yeah, and they put, they put that on cranberry bread with. Um, cream cheese and very thinly sliced cucumbers. So the salmon, I like that kind of salmon because it just, it, it almost melts in your mouth. Yes. 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 Uh -huh. Locks and bagels. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. I love that. That's my favorite breakfast. Yeah. Oh. That too. That's good. Yeah. Well, October 8th, one of my favorite holidays on this day is it's National Heroes Day. And mm. I think, you know, we always think like Superman and all that, which is fun, but um, it's an inspiration. So, oh, and you know, we do a music playlist for this show every day. So, you know, we're going to have to put some David Bowie on there with heroes. We can be heroes. Um, <laughs> yep. We've got to have, and yeah, David Bowie has to be on there. But um, heroes, when you think about a hero in life, you know, there's everyday heroes, there's friends, there's family, coworkers, people that are heroes. So when you think about heroes, um, does anybody come to mind for you? Margo, what about you as a hero? Hmm. It, it's funny, you know, you, you think a little bit about duality. So if, if there's a hero, there has to be a victim. 
Ooh. And, and I, yeah. And so I, I'm hoping for, um, a change in the hero victim kind of yeah. energy to yeah. be more of a supporter or like, like my husband, when I had, uh, as I'm going through breast cancer, he's my rock. He's not my hero, hero. He's not my savior, but he saved me many times. He's helped me yeah. a lot. Um, but, um, more of a rock than a hero because, um, there is an energy of that. And, um, we don't want any more victims in, in the world. No, victimhood yeah. sucks. Yeah, sucks. victimhood sucks, but heroes, uh, those who, who reach out and try to help, um, they can be the, our rocks and our supporters and our, yeah, that's my I like feeling. That. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot, Margo. What about you, Shelley, when you think of heroes? Yeah, I, I really like the take that you just took, Margo, about that mm-hmm. because, you know, we're so set up in, um, from our fairy tales, you know, there's always going to be a hero, you know, Prince Charming is the hero. I remember doing a training. It was a train the trainer group with a um, organization called Peak Potentials. And, um, in order to graduate, you had to come up with a two and a half minute song to sing to everybody. And, and I didn't know what song to sing and you had to stretch yourself. And so I found this song that was years ago, um, sung by this group called the Cheetah Girls. And they were, you know, these young girls and it was called Cinderella. And the, the whole song was about, I don't need, I don't need a, a prince to come and save me. I can save myself. I'm going to be my mm. own hero, my own hero. I'm going to see. Save now I hear Tina Turner. We don't need another hero. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, she knew. Yeah. 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 So oh, I wow. think my sense is when we can look inside and, and, say that if we're, if we're going to use the word hero, I mean, we have the word, we have a definition. If we're going to use it, you know, to go inside and either have the divine be our hero, our, we are our own hero in our own lives. I mean, it's taking responsibility for ourselves and not passing it on to somebody else and waiting for somebody to save me. Yes. And, uh, I, like I, that. I thought, yeah, I thought that that, song was so appropriate and circumstances had it where they they cued the wrong the wrong room I was in the wrong room we had to do it in front of 300 people and then I mean yeah I dressed up as what I did was underneath I had super girl underwear on and then I had over that I had a a chest plate and a sword stuck in my um underwear and then over that I had a snow white outfit on with a long wig and I brought a big book, like a foam core, and it put, um, you know, um, princess in, di- in, in distress. It was the title of the, uh, of the book. And it was a big, huge book, like a 24 by, um, 30 inch book. I, it was really big. And I, I ended up doing it a cappella because they didn't cue the, the song in time. And they said, okay, you only have an hour, a minute and a half. You better start singing. And I thought, cause I was waiting for the music. I sang the song and you have no idea how many girls came up to me afterwards, young women and said, thank you so much for that song. Did you write it? I mean, they thought it was an original because <laughs> nobody had ever heard of it. Different people mm. were, singing, you know, regular songs that other people heard. But, uh, and then I would in the song, I would take off 
the um, Snow White outfit, and then I then I got to the place where I had the chest plate and the sword. And one of the courses, I'm I'm um, I'm my own hero. You know, I'm my own prince, shining prince, uh, knight in shining armor. I'm my own knight in shining armor, and I can dream my own dreams, and I can live my own life. And I mean, it was really profound. And hmm. yeah, I think the hero is within each of us for our own lives, if we're going oh. to use that word. I like that. I like that. What about you, Dr. Diane? Um, well, I have two heroes in my life. My one son is a fireman in New York City, and the other son is um, a Port Authority police officer, canine wow. officer. And his, in fact, his dog was born and bred in Hungary. And um, I tried to speak Hungarian to the dog, but um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, and I, I wanted to also comment on the David Bowie song. My brother was just telling me the David Bowie song, uh, We Can Be Heroes Just for One Day, related to the Berlin Wall mm-hmm. coming down. And the weird thing was that um, I went to Berlin and, and Germany for a, for a um, whatchamacallit, like a, a Fulbright uh, with a group. And there were the people that had been on the Eastern side on East Germany did not like us as Americans. They were like, you ruined everything for us. We had, you know, our retirement was set and everything was taken care of. And, and then when the wall came down, then we became poor. So there was like that, this kind of dichotomy, like, oh, you're, you know, now you're part of the West and they didn't really want to be and they wouldn't serve us in restaurants it was kind of strange um and then the other there was another thing about heroes that i i have to take a different side of the hero thing because um i've come to to the um belief that we are in each other's lives um that relationships are one of the key reasons that we are um manifesting on earth that we need to interact with each other i tend to be an introvert i don't go out much i don't socialize much but i've come to believe just recently that it maybe it's not considered heroes but it's more like um being there for each other and the reason that we um are you know, we have needs is because we are what I at one point I was I had no job, I had no home and I had to live with my family. And I said, you know, a lot of my family members felt that I was being selfish. Why don't you just take any job? And I'm you know, I'm thinking I have a doctorate from Columbia and I can't even get a job. And they wanted me to go be a cashier or something. And I said, you know, I I believe that um sometimes people are in need, like when I was in need for a place to live, and I had to humble myself and ask, can I stay with you and and have a room and, and a bathroom or whatever, until I can find my way. And I said, I really believe that it's it gives the opportunity for other people to um, bless, like get blessings for helping me, and that I can get blessings for helping others. And um, it gives them the opportunity to do that. But I think in our, in our world, especially in the United States, it's like you have to be on your own two feet and you have to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. and don't 
ask for help and don't get, depend on anybody. And, and I really found out that, you know, when I was in need, um, it was harder because people were like, what's wrong with you that you're not taking care of yourself? And, it, you know, I was doing my best, but I, I really believe that spiritually we are meant to give to others and that's where we um, will thrive once we complete our time on earth is that how much, what did you do for others? And that's where I see the hero thing. That's about community. It's, you know, um, the word unity and community, right? And um, it's, you know, growing up in Africa, it was very much a village, you know, everything was a village, no matter what. Um, I was going to say what tribe you are. And that's really true. Um, you know, everybody had a village and, um, white people had the village, you know, and if you were Afrikaans, you had your village. If you're English, you had your village. And, and sometimes you had villages mixed all up. And that's more like it is now, which is fantastic. Um, but it's very much a village society of, um, hey, you're going through this here. Come here. We're going to help yeah. you here. It was, it was growing up. It was that way. Everybody pitched in. Um, and it was okay to be at whatever level coming to this country was a huge culture shock for me. Um, in that, that exactly what you're saying, Diana, of, um, you know, you're supposed to be this way, this way, this way, very societal of a society of financial success and security is who, what your meaning is. But spiritually, your spirit doesn't give a damn about the dollar, you know, so there's this weird balance that goes in and don't make no mistake in africa commercialism uh it thrives too um you know people you know they'll hawk you to death with hey buy my this buy my that you know so it it i'm not saying you know money wasn't part of it but the village is very much and there's some corrupt things over there so i'm not saying that either it's not perfect but the village i feel like we've kind of lost our way and i think during covid we as um, Americans maybe started to understand the importance of unity and a hug from a friend and, and fellow loved one and giving and giving makes you happy. Okay. Giving is a joy. You know, it truly is a joy and caregiving is, can be difficult. So if you're a caregiver, you have to give time out for yourself, but it's a joy. Mm-hmm. And We've we have lost our way a little bit at times. I, I want to go to Margo on that. What 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 do you think, Margo? Because I know you've also I know all three of you have traveled all over. So, um, but Margo, what do you think on that part of it? Well, um, as a person who has needed some help, um, who is highly independent and was on the other side of uh, the healthcare system, uh, giving uh, healing and and healthcare, um, I truly believe it takes a village to help somebody heal from something like cancer or an acute illness or it, it I've seen that uh, no one person uh, although each one that helps you feel they're here I had surgery on my hip and of course to me the the surgeons uh, were wonderful and I thought very highly of them but it took the whole team and when that team falls apart, um, that what's needed, uh, by the person, uh, needing help is, is not there, not available. So, 
Uh, I see it in the healthcare systems. You know, they're having trouble right now. I knew it was coming. I was told it was coming where the healthcare system was going to kind of uh, go through changes and it's doing that right now. But being in it, I've seen when that, that um, group or that people coming together to help wasn't there. I was frightened and Mm -hmm. I, you know, and I wasn't getting good care and I wasn't getting well. And when the team does come together, they can do amazing things. And when I say a team, I mean more than just a surgeon, more than just a primary care doctor. I mean um, a transformational coach. You know, I mean, um, I, I address healing on all levels. Someone bringing you soup, you know, bringing the cauldron over if you're unwell. What's it like to be homesick, right? Especially if you live alone and someone comes and drops off a bowl of soup for you because you can barely get out of bed and someone does that for you. It's like, oh my gosh, some simple little thing like that can make your day, you know? It does. Um, It, it makes you feel like, um, they care. Yeah. And you're worthy. You're cared for. You're a worthy individual. And it's not a, it, yeah, it's, we all have a worth. Yeah, you know? but never, I, I, I mentioned the, the victim because I never want people to go into that energy that, you know, like if you're feeling like you don't, don't have a home, uh, of your own right now and you have to stay with somebody, I don't want you to feel like a victim. Mm-mm. You're not a victim. And so that's where the dichotomy mm-hmm. needs to change. But I, I truly need, believe in, um, there needs to be a, a kind of getting together and helping one another and on all levels, all levels mm-hmm. are needed. I I think so too. And, and when you think of, um, you know, Diane, it, I, Diane, it's, it's sometimes we just need to take a break. And sometimes life says you're taking a break. You <laughs> know, life has always got plans for you and it's not always what you say it's going to, what's going to happen. You know, there's the other side of life going, ah, you need a break now even if, you know, it may not look good for society's norms. And there's a strength in standing up and saying, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do that and getting help. There's a big strength in that. And that is a strength of not being a victim. You know, victimhood is when you just start curling up in a ball and never moving forward. And um, I was in that point where sometimes in the mornings I had to I was so despondent. I thought I'm over 50. How am I going to get a job? I'm, I was actually turned 60 at the time. And I'm like, I'm living with my parents. Everybody's shaming me. And and I thought, I don't think I have a future, you know, and I yeah. and I wouldn't leave the bedroom until I made myself feel confident and happy. And I would listen to happy oh. music and stuff. But uh. the thing that I found like being in Hungary when I lived in Hungary I broke my elbow and I had to have three operations while I was there. And, and I saw such a difference in the way just strangers, they just had met me and they were like, Oh, can I do something for you? Can they came to visit me in the hospital? They didn't even know me. They brought wow. me food. They brought me, let, you know, let me take you shopping, whatever. I was amazed. I, I don't get half that kind of um, response from, you know, when I see it in, in friends in the U S I'm like, you know, you're amazing. I can't believe you're willing to do this for me. But in Hungary, it's like, oh, of course, we're going to help you, you know. Yeah. But you know what? There's a fake 
and, and Shelly, please jump in on this. There's a fake um, sense of security about what we are supposed to look like in life and how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to have the house with the picket white fence. We're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do what's in your soul. And so I think there's a fake security. And when something like this happens, you just rust, ruffled people's feathers because you're going against the grain. That's not the plan. You know, mm-hmm. Dr. Diane, this is not the plan. And, you know, and then, and it's, it's cruel for, you know, everyone involved. It's, it's harsh, but standing up, playing happy music and making that change, that would be a transformation. Wouldn't you say Shelly? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, we are human. We all have our human experiences. That's why we're human to have those human experiences, whether they feel wonderful or they don't feel wonderful, whatever they are, they're part of our journey and only our own soul knows what our own soul's journey is. Nobody else knows. And I can so relate to you about staying. I mean, I was going through a divorce after a 20 year marriage and I was 57. And I was not in a place, um, it was not a good place. And, and I even had to stay with my sister. And, and I want to say that I, I was also, I felt shame, great shame in me being in that situation and kind of wading through what was going to happen. Cause it, you know, it took like four years to finalize the divorce, but it's not, it's not easy when uh, to be able to, feel like you have to be invisible because the other people are not making you feel welcome. That is a huge, huge, huge deficit in exactly what you're saying. It's the opposite of what you're saying happens in Hungary or happens in the tribes or happens in the villages that sometimes even in our own families, our own families shame us more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. Not always the easiest, the easiest to get out of. I mean, Growing up, I was a victim. There is no question about the way I looked at my childhood because there wasn't anything I could do about the way in which my mother was or how she treated us or any of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, you uh, over time, I think when we start finding skills to be able to deal with healing what's going on inside of us and re-imprint the memories the the way in which we took the memories, the stories that we tell ourselves, because and if we don't take it from the right brain, which is the emotional, we always get re-traumatized and talking about it to the left brain, which becomes the logical, then we are victims of our own mind, mm. of our own thinking in the way that we think. And um, it sure does help to have supportive people that build you up and lift you up instead of people that bring you down and t- and cut you off at the knees. You know, and they're always going to be somewhere different than you think, too. Like sometimes if you have I mean, we've had some really negative um, people in in our family. And I, I'm turning to Nancy and said, you know what, we've just got to close the door because this is not this is taking our our valuable time on this planet. And, and it's really true. And it does become that game of hero versus victim. And sometimes they manipulate and you go running, you know, they cry wolf, you go running only to be used or be manipulated or put down or whatever it is. Right. And you some, it's okay to walk away from um negative stuff. It's, it's okay to say, you know what, I'm going to have a good life. 
screw y'all. <laughs> I don't have to say it that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, and I wonder about this, you know, with Halloween coming up, since we're talking about October, it's funny because, you know, now we're all, oh, what mask are we going to wear? Like, <laughs> Don't you think we all know how to wear masks by now? Um, but there's something about Halloween, which is empowering. There's a community in Greeley, Colorado that we, we visited and, and covered. Um, and, uh, oh, I wish I remembered the name of the company. It, illusions, a distortion. Ah, I have to look them up. But they do all the costume work for Alice Cooper and stuff for their tours. Like, you know, all that vile, like really grotesque monster stuff, right? But their community in August, not Halloween, has what they call Monster Day. And they encourage kids to dress up like monsters to not fear the monster mm. and to also go against bullying and to understand if someone is negative to you, you can walk away or understand that if they're being negative, they're negative for a reason what happened to them, right? So if someone's bullying you and being the monster, don't you don't need to become one. You can face the monster and also have some empathy to understand the bullying is probably being bullied somewhere else or as being a victim or is, you know, lacking self-confidence and, and things like that. That's what I was saying earlier, you know, Diane, that people get picky on other people when they're not all happy on the inside. And so I love that holiday that they have Monster Day. And mm-hmm. um, and I think that's kind of when we look at Halloween. Sometimes, you, you Shelly, you just did a show with us, an article about, you know, facing those ghosts Mm-hmm. and um ghosts of the past and the skeletons in the closet you got to look at them and go all right you know hug the monster mm-hmm. and then and then halloween comes we can dress up into what we want mm-hmm. and halloween allows us to be somebody different or something different or a different entity um for that moment that party or you know mm-hmm. and there's something empowering about that is like embracing change and you just did that too shelly but you know but there's something about this time of year, which is a seasonal change, but there's this light to dark and that in-between zone that I always love. It's because to me, that's where the balance is. That's the blend. I'm kind of like that with Margot, where I don't want the victim or the, the, you know, the either or. I like the in-between where you can understand both sides and straddle it. You know, I like frogs for the same reason. They're on land and water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, mm-hmm. you know. I think there's something magical about this time of year. Even the Day of the Dead, it's like celebrating those from the past and where they are now, you know? Um, wow. This is this is a fun conversation, ladies. We're not getting into all the holidays, but I think we're doing good, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> yeah. This is good. Um, some transformation. Um, October 9th, this is a holiday. We all know Columbus Day, right? Mm-hmm. And we all know, like, poo-poo on that. And... um but he did do exploration. He was a bad man in regards to slaves and how he handled people. And it was very nasty. But I still going out on the open water those days and like Marco Polo and Vasco, uh, uh, Vasco da Gama and all of those people going out, even Sir Francis Drake, who I, I don't really like um, because of their that was the way people did things back then. And it's not nice, horrible. But there was I mean, imagine going off and setting sail. You know, it, and mm-hmm. when they thought at one time the world was flat, I know there's people who still believe that, but it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some bravery in there, but um, obviously not nice what they did. But I love that we've gone from here's Columbus Day to 
taking October 9th and um, the Monday of this long weekend and making it Indigenous Peoples Day and Native American Day here in this country. Mm. I think these are some positive changes that just go, yeah, well, if you're going to have that ugly holiday, I'm going to do this. And I think that's a, it's, it's kind of like, well, standing up and not, you know, kind of going with what you were saying, Margo, wouldn't you think? Oh, Indigenous Day. Um, I, I was actually, um, I studied with a, a tribe in, in Peru, the Kiro Indians. Mm. And I have to tell you, uh, I've, they took us to many sites, one, many of which, um, thousands of indigenous died there. And you could literally feel, mm. you know, that something negative happened in that area. And we would go and we do bless the area. And, and, um, one thing that shocked me about, um, this tribe is we came to town. We we went into uh just below Machu Picchu. Uh there's a town uh and we stayed there and we wanted to bring the shaman into uh our hotel with us. And he's sitting in the waiting room, we're waiting for our rooms, and the a person comes up to us and says, I'm sorry he can't stay here. And um and they they shunned him and they, they made him leave. And I went with him looking for another hotel for him to stay at and, along with another person. And we're walking along the street and people are bowing to this man, other natives. And they know that he's a high shaman and that he does wonderful things for nature and, um, you know, these people actually, um, made it through, uh, Columbus Day <laughs> and, and beyond. And they, um, the Kiros actually, uh, went about 15,000 feet above sea level to avoid them. And so that's why their tribe, uh, made it through. And they've only been around, um, in public for maybe 60 years. Uh, they hadn't been seen before that. They came down and showed themselves. Um, but just to witness people, uh, the dichotomy, I guess, to witness them being shunned uh, by uh, an establishment and then seeing uh, other natives in the street and other locals in the street bowing down to them and honoring them as they pass by. It, it just, um, it's it wild. taught me something, you know, deep in my soul. It's like, um, we can look at a person and we can call that person bad. And another person can look at that person and call them holy. Mm-hmm. And what, what's the real, what is that real person? You know, um, we need to stop doing this to one another, you know. Hmm. Um, we're having that trouble in, in our country. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're Democrat. Oh, you're Republican. Oh, you're, you know, and we need to stop it because we're neither of those, uh, or maybe he is holy. He is a wonderful being. Um, what very wise, but to treat a man like that or to treat another person like that, we're still doing that. 
Mm. And yeah. so, uh, I, I don't know if I answered your question. But yeah, that's no, what no, came but to mind. Yeah, you know, but I think this is, it's kind of, this is a very interesting conversation because it really ends up being, you know, we talked about the cauldron of soup. Well, soup isn't made with just one ingredient, right? Yes. It, you, you have your mushroom soup, but I know you put more things in there, Diane, you know. Yes. Um, it seems to be like we're doing heroes and victims and, you know, we do dogs and cats. We've, you know, we've done the, you know, it's like salt and pepper, right? And, uh, it doesn't, it's not either or because the end is in the middle, heroes and victims. So yeah. they are connected. There's this bridge. And, um, we just, we're doing this polar opposite side of things and it, and it doesn't work. It, that does not create community. And I just had this conversation too about diversity, right? Is the, the nature does not flourish without biodiversity and human beings do not flourish mm-hmm. without diversity and culture and beliefs and, community connections community doesn't exist without diversity it really doesn't and -hmm. it's not about either or it's about unity is all together you're allowed to disagree because it's like oh i didn't look at it this way oh you know you know that kind of thing's okay but um we're crossing lines we're crossing lines as human beings we're crossing many many lines and so um can we all go back in the gray area (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the gray yeah, area. Let, let go of some of the extremes yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. wear a mask for halloween you know um <laughs> eat the candy you know <laughs> i'm just saying mm-hmm. um you know but uh, yeah i agree and and, and shelly you went to peru too didn't you yes i did in um 1986 was my first trip to peru and mm. i studied with um a shaman i did a journey of initiation with a shaman named uh, Don Eduardo Calderon. And he had a Mm -hmm. vision to teach the art of shamanism to the Western world so that it wouldn't be lost. And, um, uh, and so I went with a group and it was, it was unbelievable. It was Mm -hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. And And then I how to be a shaman. Were they teaching you to be shaman? Yes. On what, the shaman does uh, what the Indian medicine wheel is. We we traveled the power centers in Peru, did ancient ceremony that the shamans did, and um, learned what it was to be a shaman and how to teach the art of shamanism to the Western world. Ooh, yeah, yeah. that's not easy. <laughs> it, was, it was quite. Oh my God! It was definitely life changing. No question about that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But- Going to spirituality, I mean, what, what's, what's it like in Hungary in regards to that? Cause I'm curious, just, mm-hmm. you know, with my own heritage, because, you know, we've got the witches and warlocks on one side. I'm wondering, you know, I, I know that we had a medicine lady in, in, she comes to me in dreams and that, um, she was healing people with herbs and, and things. And then like some, and this is like this reoccurring dream. And I know, and I've described her to family members and they're like, no, no, this was this person. Um, and she's like a great, great aunt or great, great, great grandmother. And I'm not sure. And Nancy's always doing Babushka, the character. And it's, it's Babushka, I think, who we're talking mm-hmm. about. I don't know. But she would hide the herbs in the bottom of a pot, like put another pot on top. So like when the police came, they couldn't see that she was doing this. I don't mm-hmm. know if there was an energy of men only being allowed to heal or something. But that's this reoccurring dream. Like she would clap her hands 
And then Nancy told me there's like family members who would do this kind of interesting communication. And, um, she, I don't know, but that's how she's that like, oh, Hungarian? But yeah, on the Hungarian side of our family. And that's a dream. So who knows? I mean, you know, I got a wacky brain, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, but it, was there something, you, was it, do you think in back in the day where is it mostly men that were healers? Well, like there, that were, there were shamans. There was a, a, like, um, a shaman, shaman based, um, belief, uh, which I, I think they referred to it as the barbaric side of Hungary, but they were, you know, Hungarians were nomads. They were the Huns and the Magyars and they, they, in fact, their language, the language of Hungarian is not really related. It says it's a Uric language like Estonian and Finnish, but it's, it's really not close to those languages. It's kind of picks up things like, um, you know, I know there's some Hungarian in Egypt, Hungarian words, and um, I always mm-hmm. say Sri Lankan, but it's not Sri Lankan. It's um, it's Asian. They they have a lot of Asian influence in their languages, but their shamanism. Um, in fact, I knew a woman who had gotten married, and she was married by a shaman when she was one of the teachers that I worked with at um, in Hungary when I was teaching at a college there uh there there are more um i think what i what i would call mystical ways you know with people and what a lot of um americans tend to call superstitions but um like when i did my dissertation i looked at um death beliefs about death in the afterlife and um and spiritual beliefs and one of the things there's a theory called um, disenchantment and reenchantment of the world. And when, when in the industrial revolution came about, it was almost like this, some kind of an agreement where, okay, here's what science is. And it's, it's very restrictive in how you can show evidence and, and religion can talk about faith and, and all those things that are non-physical, but it kind of took away the, um, what what the average um person would do is more was more enchanted they they believed in miracles they believed in speaking with the dead and there it was like okay that stuff is for the low lives you know only only dumb people oh. people who aren't really um smart well and it and that's it this was more of the american way was became less enchanted i think it was more enchanted still when i went to hungary when um someone was sick we went to someone who was doing um like more energy stuff and or they do the candle waxing in the ears and mm-hmm. um there was a lot more of you know water healing and massage healing and and touch and it wasn't necessarily I'm not going to say they didn't have used drugs and stuff, but they, they had more of a, um, holistic it's body, mind, spirit. Yeah. It was more of a sense of, um, doing more. I can't, I can't think of the word, you know, more what you would call like, um, more Eastern. Well, the grandma kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. I don't want to say, Oh yeah. I don't want to say old wives tale. Like, 
Yeah, all that. But they but always would say to me, don't like I, I would be laying in they didn't have air conditioning. I would be laying in my bed and I was like, it's so hot. And I bought a fan and, and my friend who I was staying at his house said, why'd you buy that fan? I said, because I'm so hot. I, I need the air to circulate. And he when I left, he put it. He was like, what am I supposed to do with it? I said, well, you can use it. He put it in his shed because he says, we don't want the wind. The wind makes you sick. And I used to say, oh, that's baloney, you know, but as I, as time has gone on, I've noticed that when I'm in wind or when I have air blowing on me, you know, I can see that my, my body changes to some degree. So maybe I either I'm, I hadn't seen it, what he had seen, but, um, but yeah, there was more of that kind of a belief in, you know, eat this kind of food, or if you have this, um, kind of like poultice kind of thing. It, it was more, that was the more healing way, the old wives kind of, uh, procedures. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that's where it all comes from. I mean, look at, um, Ayurveda is the oldest form of healing and medicine. And they were the very first Ayurvedics in the Vedic scriptures. It was the very first surgery ever done in the world was on a broken arm in India. And, you know, when you really go back into some of the beliefs I go into, like every time I go back towards Ayurveda and those principles, like when it's hot, our first thing is to go have a glass of ice water. Yet that actually heats up our body and it's an abnormal temperature. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like lukewarm. We should be drinking and ingesting food the same temperature as our body so that it can digest it without having these spikes of hot or cold. Mm-hmm. And so if if you're like, finicky with your belly like I am and and I adhere to those rules I'm fine but when I don't um then I'm like oh it's all those little things that you know when you start to realize they do make sense but they've been passed down from generations to generations on the other side some of those things aren't good <laughs> you, know, too. So, you know it's mm-hmm. um you've you've got to look at some of the traditional things you know we don't need to um you know kill a tiger for his blood to make wine anymore you know mm-hmm. um things like you know in their tiger bone it's not their blood they use tiger bone um for different wines and stuff like that for filtration and now we're running out of tigers so some traditions and killing animals for certain things you know you can be empowered by their you know the animals themselves their spirits but you don't need to kill them to ingest them to be strong like a lion. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So we're in a very interesting balance of, I think it is about this evolving as a species and, and the key to evolving successfully is to do it together and co-evolve. I think, I don't know, man, I'm getting woo woo. Now you girls have made me all woo woo. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we didn't make you that way. You are that way. (laughs) Oh, that's all right. It's all good. It's yummy. Delicious. Hey, listen, Uh you know, October 10th where we really, we set this up. Good. October 10th is world inclusion day. So I think we did good. Uh We, we, we did that. Um, I'm going to go through because I know we've, we've been, Hey, we did good on all of this stuff. October 11th is pet obesity day. Very important to look at the health of, uh, of your, your loved ones. Um, especially dogs and cats we're seeing as, you know, Nancy and I have pets. We've just done our 101st pet sit. Can you believe it? And, um, and one thing we've noticed is animals being born with things like IBS, like humans, um, 
obviously the cancers have happened with animals, obesity, and a lot of it is what's in their food. And so take a look at what your animals are eating because there's also all these allergies. Half the animals are on Benadryl for God's sakes. I mean, come on, you know, Benadryl and Claritin, those are human drugs giving, you're giving to animals and it's allergies from what we're putting on lawns. Um, And sometimes obesity is also puffiness from chemicals. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and, you know, so it is, I think that's a very important day. We were talking about dogs before. So I just want to circle on that because we're really, really seeing it. And um, we got to look at the diets of what animals are eating. If they're eating a bunch of corn in their food, dogs and cats don't need corn. That's not good for them. Mm -hmm. Um, They need meat. Um, You know, you may be vegan or vegetarian. That doesn't mean your animal should be. You know, those kinds of things. Um, but, you know, just look at their food and maybe talk to a professional and not listen to me. But it's it's interesting. It's also October 11th, National Fossil Day. That's my day because, you know, I'm feeling like a fossil. <laughs> 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 but, hey, aren't fossils cool? Mm-hmm. I mean, doesn't it just blow your mind? Like, what do you think we're going to leave behind as a fossil? What would you want <laughs> as a fossil left for, like, you know, if somebody opened up a time vault and we left something in there for, to fossilize, what would you want, Diane, as a fossil for, for the I, future? All I can think of is, like, I keep telling my sons, when I die, I don't care what you do with everything, but I have 50-something years of diaries. I said, just save the diaries. It's my life on paper, and you'll understand me better. And they're like, can you just give us a summary? But, <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, then sell it on eBay, because I know there's people who buy diaries on eBay, and somebody mm-hmm. will They'll put my life on film someday. That's so funny. That is so I love it. I love it. So you're going to fossilize your diaries. It's going to be like the Rosetta Stone in Hungarian. (laughs) Margo, what about you? What do you want as a fossil? (laughs) It's interesting. I, what comes to mind is leave no footprint. (laughs) Oh yeah. I would prefer to leave no footprint, but uh, maybe a piece of my art. A fossilized scarf. Couldn't really wear <laughs> there that you go. Shoulders. Although I it's like biodegradable. That. My scarves yeah, are biodegradable. You go, girl. I like that. <laughs> I love that. Uh, what about you, Shelly? Well, fossilize some mean? yummy, delicious food. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say maybe my um, uh, my instinct soup recipes, something that people can carry on and enjoy in their lives. Yeah. Mm, yummy. Like that. What's amazing, we went to a park, uh, Fluorescent Fossil Beds. It's up in Colorado, and it's near Cripple Creek, Colorado. It's a beautiful area. Incredible. I mean, it just was one of those parks that is underrated, and it had to be protected. So there's some heroes doing some good work there protecting it, because when they found all these fossils, everybody started from, you know, across the country, migrated over, you know, came and just started taking the fossils and going Mm -hmm. home and, like, look what's in my bar. You know, um, so they have a few left and they have fossilized sequoia trees, actually redwoods there. And uh-huh. that blows my mind because I'm like, we've been covering the sequoias for gazillions of years, you know, speaking of fossils. <laughs> and so it was really amazing to see this fossilized, but be where they were because now the only sequoia trees you can see in this country are in the Sierras. But they were there at that time over in Colorado. So it was really cool to see. But they had... Uh, fossils of flies, 
fossils. I mean, just all kinds of ferns and everything. We're used to that. But they had hydrangea fossils. And that got me. Because we have hydrangeas in our gardens that have all been modified to be the perfect plant for the homeowner. Um, but these were hyd- wild hydrangeas that were fossilized. Did I you think- see the story of the bread that was found in, I think it was what, Pompeii? Oh, where it no. was, um, it had come out of the oven and they saw that there were these, these, um, like logos or like s- symbols that represented the, the baker's, oh. um, symbol. But a woman, I think it was from New York Times, who was a cook, she said, all you have to do is like soak off all that surface stuff and you can put it back in the oven and it'll be fine to eat. And I was like, oh, I don't <laughs> know if I'd want to do that, but it was an interesting mm. fact. Mm. still eat it yeah no it is international day of the girl child october 11th and i just want to do a shout out um that we're going to be doing a special broadcast on that day for women we're talking about women's issues around the world um some very intense issues that you know like we la 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 i don't want to hear about it but we should and um solutions people that are problem solvers and um, making big strides in the world um, all the way from um, helping girls ex- uh, experiencing sexual violence in Uganda to um, ladies in Africa giving girls tools, um, you know, uh, things they need for their period um, to there's authors that are writing books to inspire young girls and mentorship programs. Um, really, it's it's an exciting show that will be airing on October 11th for celebrating girls around the world and girl power. Because once you have girl power, man, watch out when we're women. Hear us roar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm very excited about that day. Uh, let's see what's October 12th. I know we're Farmer's Day. That's important. We got to take care mm. of our food growers. Um, mm. You know, I think with the way, you know, some of the way agriculture is gone, it's you don't there's small family farms that are doing the right thing and trying really hard in so many ways. And um, I just, you know, we need to celebrate them and, and do what we can and understand them before thinking all your farmers that are feeding you are taking all your water away or, you know, um, and then there are some that are, and they're not family farms that I'm talking about. Um, so ed- educating yourself on, on farms it's it's important, especially if you could just do it in your local neighborhood. I know, Margo, um, you were telling us about the Florette Flower Farm, and, oh, and that's yeah. a good example of a good of a good farm, right, up in the Skagit Valley, which we, actually we've been covering too. But so I'm I'm excited. I know we're going to try and see if we can get her on a show, but that's a good example, right, of a good farm. Yeah, she's trying to uh, bring back the old way of growing flowers and and capturing their seeds and. And uh, and growing them without chemicals. Excellent, I love that. When you think about farms, what do you what do you think of a farmer, Shelley? Do you go to local farmers markets? Because I know you do a lot of cooking, or do you have a special store or a CSA program near you? Um, well, I do. That we have a couple of farmers markets that I enjoy going to here. And uh, I live in Sherman Oaks, California, and there's one in Studio City, and there's another one in Brentwood, which is lovely. And, um, and I, I frequent Whole Foods, my three kind of my Whole Foods, Trader Joe's and, uh, Ralph's. And, um, you know, I always look for organic as much as possible. That's really important to me. And yeah, 
I just, I, you know, like I think I shared with you once when I go to the store and I want to make a soup, I just ask which vegetables want to come home with me and be in my soup. And then they go, take me, I want me, me. So then I come home and conjure up a soup and it usually mm. comes out pretty good, which mm. I'm grateful for. Yeah. Hmm. You know, October 13th, and I know because I'm not skipping over Diane, but she she did introduce us to Moringa from the farmer's market. So she's got the Moringa growers going. Um, But October 13th is Ancestors Day in Cambodia. And I think that's really cool to think because now we're getting close towards, you know, the Day of the Dead and everything. So I want to hear from each of you. What ancestor, if you could have a conversation with them right now, and I know we probably all do this anyway, right? But if you could, you know, sit down and have, you know, maybe share that cauldron of soup with them and have a conversation, who would it be? So start with you, Diane. Who who do you want to talk to from your family history? Well, um, I ended up inheriting my great aunt's diaries. And um, I have become kind of the family historian because I've been going through the genealogy. But after getting her diaries, I realized how much I didn't know about her. And I wish I could. Sometimes I think like, oh, Aunt Marie, can't you just come and visit me? Because I have so many questions about what you wrote about in your diary. And I wish she would have shared them with me when she was alive. Mm. Now, you know, October 13th. Writing a book year, about it. See, I, that's right. She's doing her memoirs. Um, October 13th is Friday the 13th. Should we yeah. be scared, Diane? I mean, if you're in no, Hungary, I don't, I don't, th- I think it's more of a tradition, but um, it's more for me, it's more of like, where are the planets and what are they doing? If, if you're into numerology, I don't know if that would be something different, but one mm. and three is four and four is like just pre-transition. So five mm. is the transitional number. Ooh. Oh, I like this. I like the number five. That's always been one of my favorite numbers. Um, so Shelly, who do you want to talk to from your family history? I had a, uh, great grandmother who, uh, came to California on a, on a train, um, and wrote a journal and wrote a story. And I would love, I just got to read the story. I didn't, uh, I think all her journals were lost, but I would love to talk to her and ask her, about her adventure, her journey from Russia to uh, um, the United States and what that was like. And she was, she was a writer. I think I get some of that writing from her and mm. uh, just inquiring about life, which I love to do. It's my, one of nice. my favorite hobbies. I love it. I love it. What about you, Margo? Gosh, I've been doing a lot of research lately and there's so many amazing ones. Um, but when Shelley was talking about um, coming to the States, I never got to meet my grandmother who came with my father and his two sisters uh, from uh, Poland. And uh, they came with nothing. They were taken out of uh, their town as um, the authorities were coming in and killing um, off all the Jews. And somebody rescued them. And my, my aunt told me it was a duchess. And, um, so I want to meet, um, I would love to connect with my grandmother because I think she was extremely brave and she brought 
her children here and they all did well. And so I'm grateful to her, but I wish I had gotten a chance to meet her. Mm, that would be mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm. I want to, I want to meet my babushka. <laughs> oh yeah. And, yeah. and the ones that were burned at the stake and the warlock apparently, you know, so I don't know. We'll see about that. Um, in closing, October 14th is bookshop day and that's a big deal. Celebrate your bookshops, your local books. Yeah. The alternative to Amazon is bookshop.org and they're awesome. They started out of England and when you purchase a book, they actually run it through bookshops, your local bookshops so that local bookshops make money. Um, you know, authors and musicians, all the streaming stuff. Well, you know, I'm just saying. It sucks for them. So I'm just going to say it honestly. Uh, do what we can to celebrate and support our independent uh, creative folks in the world and um, independent folks in general. I mean, even if someone's writing a, a nonfiction book or doing memoirs like Diana's doing, uh, it's a very important thing uh, to support. So, um, but it is also October 14th. We go from the, you know, Friday the 13th to the next day being, see, Diane, you said this was a transition day, right? Like, you know. Yeah. It's an eclipse on the 14th. Well, the, the 14th. Oh, is, well, I say we get fortune cookies for the 14th. It's, a, it's a new, it's the new moon. So it brings in a new phase. It's a good time Ooh. to start something new from the 14th on. Ooh, it's universal music day. That's good. Um, mm-hmm. This is going to be a heck of a music list. I actually kind of feel like we should just do a music list for this um, specific show on indigenous music from around the world. I think that's what's just do one theme on this. What do you ladies think about indigenous music from around the world as a music playlist? Do you think that would be a good idea for all yes. of our native American people? Or- Fabulous. Love that. Yeah, I will do it. I will do it. Oh, I got so many people. And if you, uh, the three of you have any ideas of songs you want to throw my way before this airs, that'd be great since we're airing in like soon. But otherwise, we will have a wonderful playlist. I was just thinking we got to do something a little different um, since, you know, it's a new moon and all. Let's do it. But yeah. since you get a new moon and all these astrolog- astrological things are happening, right? One way to enjoy the shift of the planets and the stars is to eat cake <laughs> or yeah. your favorite dessert. October 14th is National Dessert Day. That's the best way to start a weekend. It's a Saturday you can eat it, you can bake something and make double so you have more on Sunday. And that way you have more to share going back to that community, right? So in closing, favorite dessert from each of you ladies. Diane, what's your favorite? Well, I make brownies all the time, so it must be brownies. (laughs) Brownies. Ooh, I'm sucker for brownies, sucker for brownies with red wine in them. I'm just Mm -hmm. saying. Mm-hmm. Wow, never had I have that. made that. Oh, mm. very good. In fact, I think we have a recipe for it on our site, and I'll link it from there. Uh, mm-hmm. What about you, Margo? What is your dessert go-to? Well, my mother used to make a really good lemon meringue pie. Mm. Mm. I always get scared of doing that because of the whip, you know, the meringue at the top. But mm-hmm. then once you do it, it's really not that hard. No, it's right? not. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, can I make those peaks? Yes, I can. Yes, um, you can. <laughs> yes, yeah. Sally, I'm just looking at that chocolate cake and, you know, that, that looks yummy, delicious in your book. Uh, you know, 
Yeah, actually, I was going to choose the um, uh, the cheesecake, my grandmother's cheesecake oh. recipe, which is one of the best cheesecakes oh. I've ever had in my life. So that's what I would choose. Oh, can I make a dessert pizza? Why not? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Go for it. I mean, okay, I'm doing that. Yeah. I'm doing that. I've never made one, but I kind of think like it's a good idea. Um, everyone, Shelly's book that she was talking about with the rest, and I want the cheesecake too. Um, I want a little bit of all of it. I want the brownies. <laughs> I want the lemon meringue. Yeah. Just bring it, bring it. It's October, you know, and I can wear a mask over my whole body. <laughs> I did that. Your whole body. Um, I think that's why we all run around in, in sheets because we're eating all that candy and we're expanding as we eat. Yeah, we go right into that. It's just the start of it all, right? Um, what do you bring to the table? A savory, sensory, and inspirational guide to living a yummy, yummy. delicious life. There it is. Okay, Diane, you've got to say yummy delicious. You've got to. Yummy delicious. <laughs> okay, Margo, it's your turn. Yummy delicious. Yummy delicious. Uh, we that did feel it. good in your mouth? I feel yeah. good. I feel good. I just lost 10 pounds. Uh, there you go. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, everyone, keep up with Margo at margocarrera.etsy.com. Go see her beautiful scarves and wrap yourself in nature. Shelly Wizen, transformational life coach and author. Go to shellywizen.com. And for Dr. Diane Dobry, go to Getting Hungry. Dot com and for all those astrology things go to hungarianaquarian.com she's a blast to follow thank you ladies for joining us we want to thank all of you for joining us on the show uh, listening to the big weekly blend it's our companion to our big weekly blend magazine keep up with us at bigblendradio.com don't forget the link in the show notes that takes you to our website with articles with recipes including shelly's uh, and all of those good things and our guest links as well and happy birthday to everybody born in October and celebrating your birthday this week. Thanks, ladies. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Nice Thank to meet you. all of you. you. Thanks for listening to Big Blend Radio's Big Weekly Blend Podcast. You can keep up with our shows at BigBlendRadio.com. And if you want to get our Big Weekly Blend magazine, just sign up for our newsletter at BlendRadioAndTV.com. <laughs>